Another edition of Village Vice. He's Zach Blackerby. I'm Brad Law. Zach, I got to get right into it today, okay? Okay. We're we're later in the week now. It's enough with the hand wringing over the offense. It's enough. Okay. I, I have I understand being a little frustrated by it because we all stayed up late. We all needed a nap on Sunday. We were all tired, and I even understand it carrying into Monday or Tuesday. But I've heard something later in this week that I think, Zach, is my least favorite phrase. You hear it from every fan base, literally every fan base, every September. You want to know what it is? It could be a few things. Backup quarterback? I don't know. No, here, here it is. Here's the phrase. If we play like that in the conference, we won't win a game or some variation of that. Well, sure. you know, if we play like that against blah, 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 blah. Okay, right. And if I take this cake batter and put it in the oven and I don't turn the oven on, it probably won't turn into a cake either. Of course, that's the case. We don't have to say that. Can you name one coach or player in the history of the statement, if we play like that, blah, 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 that's ever come out and said, tell you what, that was it right there. That's the effort we need. We play like that, we'll win every one of them. Stop with that nonsense. It was one game. It might turn into two games, three games, four games. It could very well repeat itself five, six more times this year. Probably won't. But when it does, that's when. I don't understand the race to be the first one. Well, I said after the Cal game, if they played like that the rest of the year, it's going to Right. Didn't take a lot of detective work to say it either. Sorry, I'm a little on edge as we get closer to, to game day, Zach. No, I, I get it. And it's probably a good thing at Sanford this weekend, right? Or that probably even, you know, more so. Yeah. But Hugh Freeze has said this throughout the week, too, in his various media appearances. And he's right. We've talked about it a little bit here as well, Brad. But a lot had to go wrong for Auburn to have the offensive performance that they did against Cal. Four turnovers. Really three impacting the flow of the offense. Auburn's going to give up the football after Peyton's fumble on that third play regardless, but yep. it is what it is. Still, you'd rather punt than give it to them where they can kick a field goal, which is what they did. Yep. But a lot had to happen, right? And like the timeliness of um, Damari's fumble and Jarquez's fumble, like that's not great. I think Shane Hooks, while that wasn't an easy catch that resulted in a Peyton Thorne touch uh, interception. Yeah. I think he catches that two out of five times. I yeah. think it's an incompletion, you know, two out of five times, and it's a batted ball up in the air, you know, one out of five times. And it, it is what it is. Props to Cal for being heads up on the play. Yeah. And so I just think three of the four turnovers did impact the game in a big way and killed Auburn's drives, especially those two fumbles when Auburn had momentum. You're not going to see yeah. that unfortunate timing again, I don't think. No. Uh, Auburn's running backs ran the ball for over five yards a carry. Uh, they weren't yeah. able to convert on third down at the rate that they'll probably convert. You, you've got to think that's one of the season low third down conversion rates. And converting on third down, getting first downs in general, helps you play with the tempo with which you want to play, gets more plays for you. So more, more passing, more balance opportunities there. Um, there are just a lot of little caveats in that game. I want to make one other comparison. Okay. To the to the Cal game. 2014, Auburn goes to Kansas State. It's a Thursday night. 
routine is very different because it's a Thursday, similar to how the routine was very different because they left on Thursday and played it in the middle of the night in, in Berkeley. Auburn scored 20 points that year at Kansas State. Won the game, only scored 20 points. What's wrong with that? Well, the offense plays like that. We're not going to beat LSU in two weeks. Well, two weeks later against LSU, the offense scored 41 points. In fact, Auburn scored 45 and 41 the next two weeks. So, again, it might repeat itself. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's likely given the amount of potential. Yeah, it's based on potential, and that's all it is at this point. But based on potential, I'd just be very surprised if you see a similar type of output uh, even even in conference games this year. Well, and that's why you bring in a guy to play quarterback and lead your team like Peyton Thorne. And I'm a little guilty of this, Brad, uh, as far as what we've talked about this week, just on other shows that I've been on. But you bring in Peyton Thorne to raise the floor of your offense, not necessarily the ceiling because Robbie mm-hmm. has the ceiling. I think Holden Gariner has the ceiling as well. And Peyton's got a decent ceiling too, but you brought him in to raise the floor of your offense. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to look at the micro level of this and say, well, it didn't really look like the floor was raised against Cal, but over the course of the season, I think the floor will be raised because you brought a guy in like Peyton Thorne. I mean, he's got now more than two years of starting experience at the P5 level. And you know what he is. And what he was Saturday night does not match yeah. the rest of it. So all, for all these folks that are calling out Peyton Thorne and saying to start holding Gurner, um, pump the brakes. That's yeah. how you were going with this, actually, is the amount of Auburn fans is that we've got to start holding Gurner on Saturday. Yeah. Stop. That doesn't help anything. The, the biggest issue right now on offense is there's no flow whatsoever in changing quarterbacks right, right. now. Uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm with you. I'm glad you opened up our final show before Auburn takes on Sanford with uh, with a little, hey, let's chill. Let's chill. What, uh, just a little bit. A, a little follow-up to that. Just because you wear, let's say I wear this blue and white shirt and uh, tonight. You look very I look, handsome in it, by the way. Thank, well, I look handsome in everything, but thank you for saying that. Don't um, such false arrogance. Anyway, um, and let's say that tonight I go to Tiger Talk and I spill pizza on the shirt. Doesn't mean every time I wear the shirt, I'm going to spill food on it. It happened one time. I'm going to wash it. I'm going to wear it again. I like the shirt. Going to wear. It's the same type of thing. Just because something happens one time is not a guarantee that it's going to happen another time. So, is pizza your go-to order at Baumhauer's? For sure, 100%. Bada bing, yeah. no mushrooms. Every time. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's hard to make a mistake there for sure. Uh, those uh, those ovens that they have, yeah, top notch. You're like the only ones like that in the state. You can tell they're very very good. They're very very delicious. Um, I do want to look at some of the offensive production, specifically some stats from quarterbacks. I, I worked on this with with one of my good friends, Andrew Stefaniak, which is his birthday. Happy birthday, Andrew Stefaniak. We put a story up at AuburnDaily.com earlier today. Five quarterback stats that you should think about, or at least know about, going into Sanford. Brad, you are not aware of these. I have not shown you these yet, but I want to read them and get your reaction. So that's coming up in just a second on Village Vice. As a better, you demand perfection, and my bookie delivers. NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. The first two legs of your parlay hit. That's great. You can cash out early or you can keep riding that train and making the cheddar with my 
MyBookie. Join the MyBookie family. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag. They have a no-strings-attached cash bonus that allows you to make deposits, withdraw quickly, uh, use promo code next round, and you'll get that extra money, baby. So bet that deposit amount. Once again, you can cash out anytime. Use promo code next round. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. All right, Brad. Mm-hmm. Five quarterback stats. You ready to rock and roll? I'm ready. I just want your raw reaction to each one. You can say if it means something. You can say if it doesn't mean anything. Or if it leads you down a rabbit hole that you want to talk about, we can do it. All right. Okay. There's no rules here. Peyton Thorne is two of nine on throws between 10 to 19 yards downfield. That's his worst area of the field. Intermediate passing, 10 to 19 yards downfield. A little surprise is only nine attempts is my first reaction to that through the first two games. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if there was eight or nine tomorrow, uh, Saturday in the game. Uh, I also think um, if you're going to be Texas A&M, I think that's how they got to attack them. Yeah, uh, the yeah the intermediate, the deep balls there too against A and M, but you're not going to throw 20 deep balls. So yeah, absolutely, you got to have the accuracy, and that comes with reps. It comes like we talked both Sunday and Monday on the show about yeah. how we were surprised that there just weren't more pass attempts. Period. And right. I think you'll see more of that going forward. So surprised the attempts are that low. All right, number two, Robbie Ashford is 0 for four on passes beyond the line of scrimmage. All of his completions have been passes behind yeah. the line of scrimmage. Got to be more. If if he's going to be more than a package quarterback, if he's going to be a quarterback quarterback, you got to have more throws down the field than that. Teams are going to do more and more to stop his running game. And they'll do more and more in general to, to creep closer to the line of scrimmage and to play the line of scrimmage. Uh, so whether that's passes behind the line or Robbie running, he just, he's got to throw it more than that. Sure. All right. Number three, Peyton Thorne is 10 of 13. So that's 76.9% for 151 yards when he's blitzed through two ball games. Thorne is his best statistically so far when he's being blitzed. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that high of a percentage. Almost 80% when um, when you blitz Peyton Thorne. Yeah, I, I think it says a lot about the the offensive line, obviously, and how far they have come. Mm-hmm. I think you point there first. And there's been some talk about, well, Peyton, he's easily rattled, easily rattled. Well, not necessarily. Those stats would say otherwise, anyway, sure. um, that his decision-making in the face of pressure has been awfully good through the first two games. Yeah, that bodes well going forward. Based on that, yep. And that's 13 passes. Not a huge sample size, but still strong start there for sure. All right, my fourth stat that I want to read to you. Peyton Thorne has struggled on play action. That is his worst percentage here. He is 6 for 14, so 42.9% for 84 yards off of Hmm. play action. That's his weakness right now. So that makes me wonder, is it a footwork thing? Is it a mechanics thing? Is he rushing? Is it that would fly in the face of the the stats about when he's blitzed, though, because he's not mm-hmm. rushing his throws. But is it something about the play action motion that affects either the way he goes through his progressions down the field, his internal timing, his footwork, his arm mechanics? There are so many little things that go yeah. into quarterback play. I just wonder if maybe that doesn't if something about it doesn't maybe get him off kilter. Yeah. Or did Cal just 
not respect the running game in the sense of they weren't going to bite on play action. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Once again, small sample size. We're talking about 14 plays, but yeah. still worth following moving forward. All right, this last one's a little longer. On throws of 20 or more yards, Thorne is best going to the left and to the middle of the field. Deep left, so 20 yards or farther on the left hash. He's two for two for 54 yards. Mm-hmm. Deep middle, two for three for 57 yards and a touchdown. I guess that would have been to Jay Fair in the first yeah. game, I'm guessing. And then to the deep right, he's 0 for 3. Does that matter? I don't I, know. Small sample it, size yet again, but just asking you. It is, my opinion, is probably incomplete because I would like to know the receivers. I would like to know down and distance. I would like to know some other variables in this particular equation. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, too small of a sample size. Typically, right-handed quarterback, you would think that right side of the field mm-hmm. would be you would be most accurate there. Um, but again, it, it may have to do with down and distance and the corner for the defense that's playing opposite the guy on the right side. I mean, you got half a dozen variables that can that can impact that. But it's very interesting. Yeah, small sample size again. That totally changes if Luke Deal turns his head around. Yes. No, from it was from if from turns his head around against UMass, then that that would have been a deep to. The, that was a deep pass to the right. So the ball to Fairweather, was he outside? Was he he was on the hash or inside on third down where he made that terrific catch? I don't think that was 20 yards downfield. Uh, good point. Good point. They were third and long, but I guess it was just short of and it was right at the third down marker, too. Yeah, so like I don't 18. think they I don't think they were over 20 yards. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Yep. So all right. I thought that was fun. I was just kind of going yeah. through some numbers on PFF today and those stood out to me. So love numbers, love the numbers like that. And it'll be interesting to know like two weeks from now with after the Texas A&M game, mm-hmm. what those numbers look like at that point. No, yeah, no question. No question about it. And All also right. like if there's tendencies, do they go more? I think yeah. they're going to throw more deep balls on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. I think they're going to have to, I think it's going to be part of this offense because that's who you went out and got. That's why you went out and got a Shane Hooks. That's why you went out and got a Jair Shorter. That's why, you know, Javaris Johnson and Jay Fair add so much pop to this offense. Rivaldo Fairweather maybe the same way. So, yeah, yeah, I I just think you've got to use these guys that you went out to get. You've got to fix the passing game. And I think that's a big part of how you can do it. It is interesting that the two guys who have gotten the praise uh, from the receiver spot are are guys who are here. Already here, yeah. And – I, I does I don't want to discredit the amount of work that they put in. Jay Fair is an incredibly accomplished receiver coming out of Dallas. He's he was good. Sure. Uh, Javarius Johnson, electric speed. He's been productive his first couple of years, but it is surprising. And I'm just taking a quick look at the receiving stats here. Shane Hooks has two catches. Jair Shorter does not have a catch. If you had told me that through two games, Hooks and Shorter would combine for two catches. Wouldn't have believed it. And I think Shorter has one target yeah. all year. Is that right? I think he got yeah. targeted once this past week, and I think that was it. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. I would have never, no, ever guessed that. I mean, that's just amazing. <laughs> it doesn't fully make sense to me. Uh, no. Yeah, Shorter has one target across two games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just wouldn't have believed it. And so credit Javarius and Jay and the job that they have done to become the guys. Do you think, by the way, in the game Saturday, does Jay Fair make it three for three? Does he have a touchdown catch Saturday? I think so. 
I do too. I, I do so. too. I think a lot of guys are going to score touchdowns on Saturday. Wonder when the last time an Auburn receiver had touchdowns in three straight games. Ooh. That's a fun stat to look up. Yeah. You have to go back a while. Yeah, we could do that. Or uh, as you watch, just comment if you know the answer, and we'll look it up and see if you're right. Yeah, be fun. Um, little Village Vice six-pack action. Ooh, it's yeah. Thursday. That's yeah. right. Before we do that, you I'm need so your... underdressed for this. <laughs> <laughs> you're dressed perfectly. Tell you what, people love the people love the ball. That's a fancy ball cap you got there. Why? Why? Thank you. I got to get one of those. That's pretty good. Um, lock, uh, Lance is locked. See, I was about to say locked on. and it, it Yeah, you saw the hat. Yeah, stole my right. attention. Lance right. is locked. Like, you can take our advice on some of these games that we're picking. We're picking these games straight up in the Village Vice six-pack. If you want to get serious about it, though, you need plays. You need lanceslock.com. You can still get, right now, the best price on the monthly packages and the annual packages. The annual package is the way to go, believe me, because you're going to go so far beyond the football season. We get into basketball. We get, you know, it's it's all, it's comprehensive. Sign up today for the best deal at lanceslock.com. Now, the Village Vice Six Pack, if you are unfamiliar, if you're just coming on board with us, every week we're going to pick six games, including Auburn's game. We're just going to pick them straight up, just straight up. We're not, uh, we'll give you the spreads for your knowledge, but we're just picking the game straight up and a heavy emphasis on the SEC. So this week, Zach, we have three games that we're going to pick that involve ranked uh, teams. Okay. Kansas State is ranked 15th. They're going to Columbia, Missouri. Kansas mm-hmm. State destroyed Troy a week ago. Kansas State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Seems low. Does seem low. Give me Kansas State. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're in agreement on that. I've not, I don't, I have not seen from Missouri anything that would make me think they're less than a touchdown underdog in this game. Yeah. I mean, Kansas State's so well coached. Missouri isn't. <laughs> and neither of them like have the talent to really blow you away. There's yeah. not a, like a big mismatch there that would go in Missouri's favor. So yeah, give me Kansas State. All right, very good. We're in agreement on that one. How about 14th ranked LSU at Mississippi State? LSU, a nearly 10-point favorite. They get nine and a half points at Mississippi State. LSU in its last five games is two and three. Mississippi State in its last five games, five and oh. Yeah, but they've only played two games this year, and that's, <laughs> that's all that really matters. I don't think stats dating back to last year matter. Maybe if you're looking at the individual stats, but as a team, I just – with a portal now, so much changes from a sure. roster from year to year, especially Mississippi State. Boy, okay. um, a lot's happened to them, you know, since last season. So I, I think um, people keep trying to convince me that Mississippi State is good and they're going to beat some teams they're not supposed to. So let's see it, Mississippi State. I'm not picking you this weekend, <laughs> but I am excited to see if all of these people that are Mississippi State truthers mm-hmm. are correct. I, I can't wait to see it. This is probably the game. I'm most excited about this weekend outside of Auburn Sanford, yeah. just because one, it, who is LSU? And two, who is Mississippi State? I think we learn a lot about both of these teams, but I am picking LSU. Yeah, I, I'm, I think we learn a lot. I, LSU looked so much better last week. Anybody looks better against Grambling, with all due respect to Grambling. Mississippi State has the better win of the two. 
and this just seems like a screwy start to the year in the Western Division, I will go ahead and call for it. I think Mississippi State upsets LSU in Starkville. I think those cowbells are going to be ringing long into the night in Starkville. Yeah, I mean, Starkganistan, they deserve it. There's no question about it. We'll see uh, We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm going with LSU. So, good, we differ on one. That's fine. Yes, we do. All right, uh, 11th-ranked Tennessee is at Florida. Tennessee just a six-point favorite. It has been 20 years since the Volunteers won in Gainesville. Yeah, I think they're going to be able to start that clock over. I think Tennessee is going to be able to do this. And I don't think this really means anything about Tennessee. I'm still a little skeptical yeah. of Tennessee. But Florida's terrible. Florida's so bad. So uh, I'm, I'm, it's going to take a lot for me to pick Florida over anybody for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I'm going with Tennessee. It wasn't just that Florida didn't look good against Utah. It was that even in their get better game last week, like all they did was run the ball. That's that's all they did. They mm -hmm. didn't they weren't uh, aggressive. They weren't imaginative. They just, hey, guys, we need a win. Let's just go get a win. Let's get a win and get out of here is what right. it looked like. So kind of from a distance. I'm with you. Tennessee, Joe Milton's been fine. He has four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's never thrown an interception at Tennessee, and he's completing literally two-thirds, 67% of his passes. They'll do enough. Florida won't be able to run, and uh, Tennessee will get the win. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. All right, compelling game here, 2-0 BYU, 2-0 Arkansas. Arkansas is a real pedestrian-looking 2-0 at this yeah. point in the season, in my opinion. Arkansas, an eight-point favorite at home. Any chance for the Cougars? I think so. I'm going to pick BYU here. I think BYU wants it more. I think all the pressure is on Arkansas. And as of so far, I mean, everybody kind of gave a lot of love to Arkansas over the course of the offseason. And I haven't seen them do really anything to back it up. Yes, KJ is very good. KJ has got great stats leading up into the season. But I'm going to take BYU. You pick Mississippi State to upset. I'm taking BYU to upset. And based on your response to that. I don't think we're going to agree on this one. No, we don't. I'm not overly impressed with Arkansas, but I do think they'll do enough. I would probably yeah. pick BYU to cover. I think eight points is too many, sure. but that's not what we're doing here in the Village Vice six-pack. Yep, I'm calling it. I'm calling the upset here. Eighth-ranked Washington is at Michigan State. Washington's a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Michael Penix Jr., I think, is a top-three quarterback in the country. Wow. But, boy, Michigan State's going to play – they're either going to play flatter than they've ever played or they will play out of their minds for their embattled coach. I just don't know if it's enough to be a, a more talented and a much more explosive team in Washington. Yeah, Washington's really good. They're a good mm -hmm. football team. And I think with the depth of what the Pac-12 has to offer this year in its final year, Washington and Utah are kind of getting forgotten. And all this because everybody's looking at you know Oregon and everybody's looking at Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in USC and Colorado. But there's a lot of other good teams there. Utah's very good. We'll see if Cal's good. A lot of Auburn fans think to think they're really, really good. I'm I'm still kind of eh on that. But yeah, but yeah, obviously Washington, Washington's a good team. And then look, Oregon State. A lot of people think really highly of Oregon State as well. So I mean, that is such a good conference, mm -hmm. and they know what's at stake. And look, Washington's going to the Big Ten next year. This isn't just a game for them. This is a, this is a, an opportunity 
for them and Kalen DeBoer, their coach, to go in and say, hey, we belong here. We're not here just out of charity because we had to leave the sinking ship mm -hmm. that was the Pac-12. We belong here, and we're going to show you. So, yeah, I think Washington, and I actually think Washington by a lot. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It's, it's a declaration that um, we're not just coming to join. We will actually elevate the Big Ten. Yeah, and so. I think they will. Yep. All right. Finally, Auburn and Sanford. Just take half a second. Um, this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> I'm going to let you go first on this one. Uh, Auburn wins the game. Auburn looks not as good as you'd like in the first quarter, but by the end of it, you're, you're pretty happy when it's all said and done with, with how Auburn looked in an easy win over a homecoming opponent. Do you think they win by more than they did against UMass? Was that 52? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I do either. But I think and most places aren't even putting out the line for this game, which is yeah, kind of lame. But well, I some don't, I guess, with the FBS against the FCS mm -hmm. opponent. I, you know, I can see a fifty-two to thirteen type of game, or a or a fifty-five to six type game, something like that. Yeah, I mean, does Auburn get to sixty? I don't think so. Okay. 50 to 10, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I just, I think I, I don't, I'll be surprised if the start is as fast as what everybody wants, just because it, you know, you start fast on Saturday if you start fast on Monday, Tuesday. And I just, I can't help but think there's a little bit of slow wheel turning to get back into the groove after the California trip. Yeah. I talked with some Stanford reporters throughout the week and, they're like, look, Sanford's not going to win this game, but they are going to do a lot of stuff on offense that may result in some chunk yardage here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. I'll give them a fluky score, and yeah. then um, I think that'll be about it. So, yeah, I'm thinking like low 50s to yeah. 10, something like that. There you go. All right, Zach. That six-pack was uh, was refreshing. <laughs> I need to wear a collared shirt on Thursdays moving forward, but – they got about does it, right? We'll talk after the game on uh, on Sunday. Yes, we will. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Remember, everyone has vices. Make sure Village Vice is one of yours.